Hello and welcome to one of two off-season editions of the Casual and the Diehard, our NBA podcast here on the Enzo Podcast feed. I'm your host, Eric Jensen, joined today by good friends Aramis Hick and Ethan Pierce. Shout out to Audrey. She couldn't make it celebrating Pride in Seattle. Happy Pride to everyone out there who celebrates. Uh, always a fun time of year. Salt Lake did theirs earlier this month, but I believe most of the country does theirs this weekend, right as Pride Month begins to wrap up. But boys, how are we doing? A uh, lot to talk about. We're going to hit on several things today. We'll talk obviously about the Denver Nuggets winning uh, the NBA title. We want to obviously give them some flowers and talk about how we feel about them winning the title and, and what what's next for Denver as an organization. Uh, we'll go over some draft night stuff, some of our favorite picks, some guys that we think just fit in really well, some guys that we're excited to watch in the NBA in the coming years. And then obviously there have been a few really big trades involving several of the teams we cover quite religiously on this podcast. Audrey isn't here, but the Suns made a big trade. Obviously, the Warriors made a big trade. And uh, the Celtics and, and Grizzlies obviously made uh, made some moves as well, as well as the Wizards kind of restarting. And then finally, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the best free agents available in this class. And then but I think the way this will work is when when does free agency start? July 1st. So we got... Uh, next Saturday, so about a week. Okay, so I think we'll probably reconvene maybe the the Saturday after July 4th. Uh, by then, I think most of the big trade chips and big-time free agent chips will have fallen, right? Would you guess by that, like, ninth, 10th range? Yeah, but, most of everything goes down in the first, like, two or three days. We sometimes a couple stragglers, but we'll usually but, have a good picture of it. They'll be off the board. We'll do that. We'll talk about some off-season winners and losers, and then we'll take a break. And we'll come back uh, once uh, the preseason is probably almost done and the next NBA season gets underway in October. Has this been a fun exercise for both of you? Are we doing this again next year? I feel like this has gone tremendously well for, for what it has been. I don't think we've been... I don't think we've gone over the top with how many times we record. I feel like a few times during the, like once every other month during the regular season and then kind of once a month once we get past the trade deadline and then kind of weekly once we get into the playoffs is is a good model for for what this this can be going into the future i thought it went really well for year one am i yeah that i part? mean i'm always down to talk about basketball man so just hit me up i'm here <laughs> i've had fun uh you're talking with you on here Picking your brains and whatnot. Of course, hearing Eric go through his emotional roller coaster with his jazzers. So I'm always down to hear you break down. All right. Let's get into this here. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are NBA champions. Nikola Jokic wins finals MVP. It's a great story. It really is. The Denver Nuggets are, are, are a team that Denver is not a huge free agency market. They built their team largely through the draft and by making some really smart trades and drafting some really um, good secondary pieces. I want to ask both of you this. Let's pretend 
that um, Denver's kind of quote unquote big three core doesn't exist. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and we'll throw Michael Porter Jr. in there. Of the guys not named those guys, who won Denver the title and who do you think impressed you the most as a part that you now say, oh, there are like fourth and fifth guys that could be coming back on this roster that could make them a threat to come out of the West again next year. I'll start with you, Ethan. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, they, I mean, Denver, in all honesty, is not like that deep of a roster. I think an underrated storyline for this is that they ran like a seven and a half, eight man rotation for most of the playoffs, which is pretty short uh, in terms of how title teams usually go. And then they also had a couple of guys who I thought didn't actually play that well in the finals. Maybe KCP was one of those guys didn't have his best series. We know he has championship pedigree, all that stuff. Um, I think you would have to give it to Aaron Gordon uh, if you're going outside of their top three guys. Um, Really, really awesome defensively uh, held down the fort there um, all through that entire playoff run hit timely buckets. Um, You know, he was hitting jump shots a couple, couple of games where he had multiple three pointers um, really, really nice playoff run for Aaron Gordon. He, uh, you know, that trade to, to get him to Denver, uh, is going to go down as one of the better moves we've seen in recent years because they didn't really have to give up all that much. And, uh, he's an absolutely a winning player, a very good player. And, um, they should thank him for getting that title because he was a big part of it. Yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of piggyback a little bit off that. Aaron Gordon really showed out for them and he was really hitting them. Timely buckets, able to kind of bully this, a smaller Heat team, able to mess with them up, what they're doing. So props to him. Orlando, a great at – Orlando, great at um getting talent to win championships elsewhere. So that's a positive. I'll give mine personally to Bruce Brown. I think defensively he was a big help off series. Wasn't the best offensively for them, you know, but he was hitting shots when – he was hitting enough shots and making, making stuff tough enough on Miami's – guards that have been going off all playoffs to make it happen. So Bruce Brown got to be my guy for them that they that I want them to want to see back in Denver. Yeah, I, I thought Bruce Brown was also the guy that really impressed me. And and we mentioned Contavious Caldwell Pope. I know he wasn't maybe an all-star player throughout the whole series, but especially in game five, right? The final game was game five. Yes. Uh, He had a few really key steals in that fourth quarter that kind of shut down the game for the Nuggets. I I just thought that it was a real team effort. And obviously you, you can't have this run without the spectacular play of Jamal Murray. He came back from that ACL and just played his best basketball since the bubble. And obviously Nikola Jokic is one of the most talented offensive weapons that we've ever seen play in the NBA I think uh it is kind of crazy how automatic he is as a scorer from pretty much any level on the court and uh a really really cool story would either of you now that we've seen the draft go down now that we've seen these trades we know the free agency class is is I would define the free agency class as like kind of middle of the road, like on contending teams, all the free agents will really give boosts, but none of them are going to change a team's makeup. Do we think that the Denver Nuggets should be a favorite to be, you know, a top three seed in the Western conference next year? And 
by default, if you're a top three seed in the Western Conference, you are a favorite to come out of the West and uh, and maybe go back to a championship. What do we we think about that diagnosis, Aramis? I'd say, yeah, man, after what we've seen in the playoffs, after what we've seen, not just in these playoffs, but the last couple of years, when Jamal Murray, Jokic's running buddy, has been out, has been out injured, um, they're they're just so impressive with how they play. The playmaking Jokic does for all these guys and the ki- the real killer pick and roll that those two, the pick and roll game that those two play with each other, man, that, uh, watching that against Miami, man, that was just special seeing them two kind of just pick on that whole team. And I feel like they can do that to anybody in the league at this point. They're, those two are so talented together. They know how to play together, been together for years. And I, to, as far as I'm concerned, they're probably going to, I think they can run it back if they're able to, pick back up enough of the talent that they've had this year they're on their roster. Yeah, man. Um, I think it's it's tough to consider anybody else the favorite to win the title right now. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen free agency and all this. That, you know, lots of moves are going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but Denver is going to have the continuity. They're, they're going to be able to run back pretty much their entire rotation. Uh, presumably, they're going to lose Bruce Brown. He, he played himself into a bigger contract than they're most likely going to be able to afford. Um, but they have guys waiting in the wings to step up, you know, Christian Brown, probably ready for some more minutes. Uh, they drafted three rookies in this class that are more experienced college players, guys that can step in right away and maybe, you know, play a similar role to what Christian Brown did for them this year. It's rare to see rookies contribute to really good teams, but absolutely possible for, for what they've been able to do recently. So, uh, I think the nuggets, you know, they're a young team. They've got most of their guys under contract. I think they're going to be a factor for a very long time and, there's no reason to, to think about them falling off um, anytime soon. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, uh, I hope that we are, you know, talking about the nuggets again as a story next year, they were a fun team to follow this year and obviously the NBA champions. So congratulations to them. All right. I, I think we can talk about the draft now. Um, and I kind of want to do something a little bit weird here. Let's talk about the NBA draft with mentioning Victor Wembanyama like once, because I'm I'm more curious because we all know that Victor Wembanyama is a very highly touted prospect. Obviously, the big story is how quickly is he going to fit in to San Antonio? Will he be an NBA star right away? Will it take some time? Is the size going to be an issue? All the storylines are kind of out there. So I want to focus on other stuff, but let's talk about Wemby just really quickly. I just go back to uh, the game he played earlier this year against the G League team and Kenny Lofton Jr. kind of posted him up and bullied him in the post two or three times. I feel like he'll be pretty good to start but I'm not expecting him to be like all NBA his first year in the NBA. I'm expecting him to probably win rookie of the year and maybe average 19, 20 points a game. But I don't I don't see him coming in and putting up numbers like Giannis does right away. Like I, I feel like it's going to take some time for him to adapt to the NBA game. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, it's it's always tough for rookies to come in and like make a huge impact right away. Um, but I think if you're looking at Wimbenyama, I mean, the way people talk about him, 
you know, it, it's very clear the tier of prospect that he is. And, you know, I've been getting more into draft scouting and, and, and all that stuff over the past couple of years. And he's comfortably the best prospect that I've seen uh, in the past, like three or four seasons that I've been really getting into the draft. So I think that, you know, like I said, it's hard for rookies to make an impact right away. There hasn't been a rookie that's made an all-star team since Blake Griffin in 2009. Um, when could break that. I think that he could absolutely make the all-star team in his first year. Um, yes, he's a little bit skinny. He's going to add some weight. The kid's like 19. He's going to you know, grow into his body, all that stuff. Um, and he's not going to be at the peak of his powers in his rookie year. We all know that. We hope that he's going to continue to improve until he's 27, 28. But I think that he's going to make an impact right away. Uh, we'll see what the Spurs do in free agency to get some more pieces around him. I don't know if they're going to kind of try to you know, tank it off for a little bit longer, or maybe they want to try to make the playoffs in his first season. We'll see uh, what kind of stuff they have in free agency to do. But uh, I, I think he really could make a big impact on the league just in his first season. Um, that's the level of prospect that he is. He looks league ready. He's going to be really good. I'm going to second that with you, Ethan, man. I really like what I've heard. And like, I haven't seen as much highlights outside of watching the game where he played the G League at night against Scoot. But from what I've heard from his interviews and what I've heard like from people talking about him still being interested, he wasn't at the combine because he was still playing in the playoffs for his team in France. He sounds – I think it's going to be surprising. I think he's going to surprise a lot of us, man. I think he's going to make an immediate impact. Like Not like Giannis, of course, not like a maybe not even like a LeBron-type rookie season, but I think he's going to be special and he's going to show a lot more than just kind of high and – what he's kind of shown us previously. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the Spurs. You are muted, my fam. I am, I am muted. Yes, but that is always embarrassing when that happens. Yeah, I think those are all fair points on when we are. So here's how I think we should do this. There are three of us. There are 30 picks in the first round of the draft. I think we should go around the horn once in every set of 10 picks, so 1 to 10, you know, 11 to 20, and 21 to 30, and each of us pick one guy that we really like where they ended up, we really like their fit, and then once we get done with that, we can just throw out a few wild card guys and maybe one guy that we like from the second round because we know those are those are tough to hit on sometimes. So let's start with 1 to 10, and let's – Eliminate Victor Wembignana because we've talked about him already. But one through ten, one of your more kind of favorite draft picks from that group. I'll start with you, Ethan. Yeah, um, I'll I'll leave I'll leave the Jazz for somebody else. I I I really like the Jazz, but I'll go with somebody else. Um, Jarris Walker to the Indiana Pacers. Um, he's one of my favorite prospects, really, really awesome defender. The jump shots coming along, um, what the Pacers are building there. They've got a really big, uh, front court with miles Turner now adding Jarris Walker in there. Um, I think it's going to be a really nice fit for them. Um, they've got, you know, a solid young core going on there. Tyrese Halliburton. I really, really love him. Um, you can throw in Benedict Matherin who had a good rookie season. So, um, Pacers, Jarris Walker, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty good fit. Uh, I like his his fit there. So there you go. Aramis? So we're just doing from the 1 to 10 right now. Yeah, that range? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. My bad, man. So I really like the fit of Ashur Thompson, one of the Thompson twins. 
to Detroit for them. Um, what I've seen from them, they they the, those brothers have been playing ever since they were born together, man. And Amen, the one who went to Houston, has really been kind of facilitator and more of the explosive guy. And with Detroit, I mean, same problem, kind of problem with Houston. There's a lot of playmakers and there's not as much shooting. And I'm sure the other brother that did go to Detroit does provide a lot of that shooting, does provide a lot more structure like that, more role player guy. And I think for a team like Detroit that's very young and trying to find their place, I think having a player that can be can be a good spot of shooting for them is really going to help them out in the long run. So that's going to be my pick for Detroit, the Asher Thompson. Yeah, I'm obviously – I'm going to take the Jazz pick here. Uh, Taylor Hendricks really, really liked him. 6'10", big, long, kind of stretch four, can play him at the wing. I like the way the Jazz are being built right now. Danny Ainge knows what he's doing. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sad they got nine. I, I am sad. But, like, I, I guess I can't bitch and moan as much as I have recently – because I thought this was a pretty good draft. I think Taylor Hendricks gives them a really interesting front court with Walker Kessler, Laurie Markinen, and him. I would assume he'll start kind of day one. They don't really have a ton of like guys. And they're still kind of in that, like we're slightly still building mode. So I feel like giving him and Ochai Abaji a lot of minutes this year is going to be a good idea for them. Um, but he's also an incredible three-point shooter. And even if he ends up just being like a three and D wing, like that's, those are the kind of players you need on, on playoff teams. And I thought it was an extremely good pick and uh, I'm excited to see him play for the jazz. I'm going to throw out one more guy that I wanted the jazz to draft, uh, but I wanted to get Aramis's opinion on is the magic taking Anthony black very kind of interesting pick it does feel like they're kind of like i listened to the mismatch podcast uh uh, the night after the draft this does feel strange like what do you think this means for the roster going forward aramis because like it it does feel like they're kind of resetting at guard maybe like are they done with jalen suggs or like how is this going to work because anthony black is the kind of player where He's a guard. He defends really, really well, but he's struggled offensively. He needs reps and he needs the ball in his hand. And there's just a lot of people who need the ball in their hands in the Magic uh, system. What did you think of the pick and how do you think it translates to kind of the Magic's plan going forward? Well, the Magic do like doing this every couple drafts. They luck into one prospect out of the five power four slash centers that they'll end up drafting you know and that's kind of how they go so they're probably hoping Anthony Black will be that player for them as far as their guards but they I did see a report I'm sure y'all did too about they're gonna they were thinking about shipping if they draft the point guard it's either they're gonna ship off either Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs to somewhere else so I think that's kind of what they're thinking but it does I didn't. I don't like it personally it doesn't make sense with their roster fit they probably needed like somebody like a Grady Dick or somebody who can shoot and knock down shots for them. But you know what? Magic and the Magic, bro. They like drafting the same position that once every couple of years. So it, it is what it is. They wanna they wanna do it, that's fine. So and not <laughs> Ethan, anything else stick out about the top ten? Obviously, that's kind of where the money's made in the draft. I do feel like we should spend uh, just a tiny bit more time on the top ten. 
Yeah. Um, let me go to number 10 with Kaysen Wallace to the Thunder. Um, love him. He's a bulldog defensively. Um, he hit the jump shots there, the catch and shoot three pointer is there for him. Um, the Thunder have so many options at guard. Um, they're gonna throw him out there, whether it's with Shea Gildress Alexander or Josh Giddy or Lou Dort or whoever. He's gonna have a great person in the backcourt to run with. Um, I think that the the Thunder are just going to have so many options. They're also getting Chet Holmgren back from injury as well. Um, they were a surprising team this past season. Uh, I think OKC is going to make the playoffs. They could potentially be a top six seed for me. I think this team's going to be really, really good. Um, not just next year, but they just have so many assets going forward. Um, this young core is already incredible. Shake just Alexander is a superstar. Um, I think the Thunder are right there, and I love this pick for them. I do want to ask about one player here. I, I think we're going to talk about the Wizards a little bit later, but obviously the big shock of like night one was Bilal Kulubali, who is um, Victor Wembignana's teammate. And people kind of, you know, there were draft whispers from guys like Ryan Russillo and people at the ringer, but he was kind of moving up the board and he might go in like the late, like twenties and like, he might be a first round pick. But then all of a sudden, I mean, like the Wizards trade up for him uh, at the seven spot. I feel like the thoughts on him are mixed. Um, what What do you guys feel? I've heard some people say he moves like Giannis, like he it, it, he still has to develop. But in a few years, he could keep growing and he could be 6'10 and one of the better players Uh young players in the NBA, obviously the wizards are tanking, you know, they don't have a ton on their roster right now. Personally, I think it's worth a shot. Like if you're going to take a really raw developmental guy, take him the year that you're going to want to lose a bunch of games and play him a lot and see if he develops. But what, what did you guys think about that move? I I felt like, and then we can kind of move on, but I felt like that was the one story that we haven't touched on from the top 10 that seemed like a pretty big storyline, Ethan. Yeah, he, like you said, he rose up a lot during the pre-draft process. Process. A lot of people had him as like a, a late first round pick, but going as high as seven is pretty surprising. We had kind of heard some of those rumblings earlier in the week of the draft. So kind of makes sense to see him there when it comes down to it. But um, like you said, very raw prospect. He's like an athletic slashing guard. Um and a bigger guard he can probably play like the three um if he continues to grow he's only 18 one of the youngest prospects in the draft um i think the comforting thing for me if i'm a wizards fan is that he was playing on a winning team in france him and Wimbanyama. um i believe they play second in one of the best pro leagues in europe so um a, a good team he was able to contribute to a winning roster playing a lot of minutes there um, I think I would feel more comfortable with him if a different franchise had drafted him just because the Wizards have not been super well run over the last little while. I know they have a new manager in there now, and he's obviously made a ton of moves, which we'll get to. But um, I'm not sure if I have a ton of faith in the developmental structure in Washington. Um, not sure if that's the best place for him to succeed. If he had gone to a place like OKC um, or like Miami or, or somewhere else known for player development, I would feel a lot better about it. But uh I guess we'll just have to see a uh, very raw prospect could still grow a lot. Not a ton is known about him, um, but uh very interesting upside swing from the wizards. Very high in the draft. Yeah. I heard the same. Yeah. I heard the same type of stuff. Very raw dude. Um, Humble is like six, 
Well, I thought he was like six eight, six nine, with like a seven foot, seven three wingspan. He's a, it's a monster of a dude. But I mean, and I hope he does pan out well. I hope the Wizards are starting to get their stuff together and just trying to build up something nice like the OKC has been building up. But I am not a fan of where he went at all. They're one of my franchises. We didn't talk about him much last year because we didn't need to because they're the Wizards and the Wizards are not good. So. I'm praying for the kid. Hopefully him and having maybe maybe a leader like Tyus Jones over there in Washington can help kind of whips up with a team that's been used to losing in the shape and hopefully the GM can as well. But he's a great prospect. I can't wait to see what he does, but just hopefully he hopefully he don't get burnt out by the whole losing thing they do there. Yeah. The whole losing thing is definitely something to be a, a little bit concerned about. All right, I think we can move to picks 11 uh, through 20 here. I'll start with you, Ethan. Where do you want to go as far as the the pick that you liked the most? Lots of interesting uh, things in here. Um, As far as 11 through 20... I, th- I like all these picks just fine. There's nothing that like super jumps out at me. Um, I'll, I'll just go to Cam Whitmore at 20 to Houston. Um, a guy that was projected by some people to go as high as number four, uh, falling all the way to number 20 on draft night. That was pretty surprising to see him tumble that far. Rumors are that it's due to medical information. Um, he didn't interview super well. Maybe his workouts didn't go well, but really great player in college. Um, I guess there's, you know, there's obviously some concerns about him now, but I think for a, a young team like the Rockets who already had a top five pick, um, they can just add another guy who is potentially that level of prospect. And, and if it doesn't work out, it was just the 20th overall pick. You're already a team with a ton of young talent on your roster. So I like that swing for Houston at number 20. I want to just point out, I think maybe one of the more perfect like fits of the draft and maybe it's, you know, Ethan and I both, I think, have, you know, a soft spot for this guy as a Pac-12 legend, a guy that just hung around forever. But, I mean, Jaime Hawkins Jr. to the Heat, like, I could not think of a more perfect pick. Like, is he going to be ready day one in the NBA? No, probably not. But in two years, when Jimmy Butler wills the Heat back to the NBA Finals again, Jaime Hawkins Jr. is going to be a key contributor on that team who is scoring between like 20 and 25 points a night. Like he is an incredible scorer. He was at the college level consistently for years. And I think he just ended up in like the perfect spot. If I had to define heat culture, I would be like, oh yeah, Jaime Hawkins Jr. Like he fits in pretty perfectly there. I love that draft pick. I thought it was a slam dunk. It was one of my favorite kind of picks of the night. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. And, you know, I know the Pelicans are kind of in disarray right now and Zion might get moved, but I loved UConn this year. I was just a UConn stan from about February on. And Jordan Hawkins was pretty incredible. And if you need a guy that can come in and be a shooter immediately and contribute to your scoring alongside a guy like Brandon Ingram, if you decide to ship up and CJ McCollum, if you decide to ship off um, Zion Williamson, I think he, he feels a need that the Pelicans can remain competitive as well. I liked, I liked both those picks a lot. Aramis. 
I'm going to go for more like a meme pick here. Homeboy just looked like he's going to be a lot of fun up in Toronto. Grady Dick from Kansas has a lot of – I mean, he won it in championship from did – they, they didn't – no, they didn't win. My bad, my bad. But I don't know. Man. He just seemed like a lot of fun. Shooter, they need shooting, of course, up there. Scotty Barnes playing with him feels like it's going to be a good connection, tossing out the ball, getting him open threes and all that stuff. He's a bigger kind of guard than what they have right there. They're currently, I don't know if Fred Van Vliet's going to be back, so he might be able to get a lot more minutes playing with a younger Toronto team going forward. But I I like the kid, man. He got a good vibe. He swagged out just like he swagged, you know, that stuff, man. I just can't wait to see him play, man, do his thing up there in Toronto. So that's my pick. Before we move on, I obviously want to give Ethan his Warriors minute, but I'm also going to task you with doing the California quote-unquote contenders minute. I want you to go over and tell me, I, I don't know a ton about Jalen Hood Shafino. I don't watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. I find it to be almost unwatchable. Uh, but, um, like, what did you think of the Lakers and what did you think of the Warriors draft pick? The Warriors draft pick, I will be completely honest, I have no idea. I'm not watching the WCC outside of BYU or Gonzaga, really. Cool. Um, I'll do a little quick scouting report on both these guys. So Jalen Hutchifino to the Lakers, um, a bigger like combo guard, uh, point guard, shooting guard combo, um, shoots a lot of mid range jumpers, um, pretty good three point shooter as well. Um, pretty good at getting to the rim. Uh, not the best defender doesn't really know how to use his body, but he can kind of grow into that potentially has the physical tools to be able to do it. He was mocked to the Lakers on a lot of mock drafts. I saw he's kind of was in that 15 to 20 range. Um, the Lakers seem to have a good structure for him to succeed. Uh, I think he'll have a pathway to playing time right away because the Lakers have a lot of free agents. Who knows what that roster is going to look like next year. Um, he could potentially be a guy that that goes in there and plays. I already know the second that he has a good game, people are going to be hyping him up like they did for Taylor Horton Tucker, um, calling him the, the league's next superstar. That That's how the Lakers work. But I do like that fit there between player and team. Um, I think, like I said, he has a pathway to potentially get some minutes as a rookie. Uh, and then let's go to the Warriors. Brandon Pojemski, um, really, really big time shot maker at Santa Clara. Um, a great, great shooter. He will thrive in the Warriors motion offense. Um, he's he's good in the mid range. He has this little push shot that he's good at. Was, I think, around 40% from three uh, last year at Santa Clara. Really, really, or I think it was closer to like 43. So, so really, really good three point shooting numbers from him. Um, a smaller kid, not the best defender. Uh, he's a little bit skinny. He's kind of small. Um, he's smart defensively. He's a really high basketball IQ type of guy, um, needs to, to gain a little bit of weight and, um, you know, just kind of bulk up a little bit to be able to hold up on defense. So that's the big concern with him. But, uh, I do like the pick there for golden state as well. He was one of my guys uh, that I liked throughout the whole pre-draft prospect process. And I, I was happy that the warriors picked him up. So there you go. All right, 21 through 30. Uh, I'm going to need some help here. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw out two names uh, that kind of jump off the page to me. And then maybe you guys can help me out with, with, with how, how you feel about them. I watched a lot of Houston basketball this season. I really like Marcus Sasser. I think he adds another scoring kind of element to uh, the Pacers. And then, Bryce Sensabaugh, obviously, I've heard some hype out around him. Again, didn't watch a ton of Big 12 basketball, 
So I'm uh I'm interested to see what both of you think of him. And then another guy that got like a lot of hype in March, but I think had a bad tournament. So he fell. Uh Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. I thought he was a pretty good player for them this year. And uh yeah, both those are kind of the guys that uh pop out to me. Don't oh also don't hate Chris Murray. Obviously, Keegan Murray's brother was also really good at Iowa. Like the Blazers need scoring. Um but those would be my thoughts from this, but I'm sure you guys can dive in a little bit deeper, knowing a, l- a little bit more about all this. But bo- those would be kind of the guys that stood out for me from the late late picks. Ethan? Yeah. Um, you know, late first round is always is kind of interesting. Um, I think, you know, the guys that you mentioned are, are some of my favorites as well. Um, I do like the Chris Murray fit we'll kind of get into what Portland's going to do, but if they are going to like hold on to Lillard and try to like get some more veterans on this team, I think Chris Murray's a guy that can stay Um, longer tenured college player, older prospect. I think he's ready to play a role right away. Um, So not your typical rookie. I think that if the Blazers are looking to win, he can actually play some minutes on a pretty good team. Um, So I'd hold on to him if I was Portland. Um, Nick Smith, dealt with some injury issues. He was like, I think like a top five prospect coming out of high school. Didn't have a great year in college. So fell down a little bit. Um, there's some concerns about him athletically uh, and decision-making feel as well, but there's some upside there. So it makes sense for a younger team like Charlotte to take a swing on that. Um, the other one that I liked in this range, I like Marcus Sasser as well. Um, going to Detroit. I think that'll be pretty solid as well. And then the last one I'll talk about is Julian Strother to the Nuggets. Um, Denver to me is a team that really understands the ramifications of the new CBA with the way that they're going to have to build their roster. Um, they're paying a lot of money to their top guys. And, um, with the new CBA, they're not going to be able to have as much depth, uh, you know, signing these guys to like mid-level exceptions and stuff like that. They're going to have to rely on cheaper contracts and those are going to come from their rookies. So drafting a guy like Strother, who's a, a longer tenured college player out of Gonzaga, really good shooter. Um, the Nuggets made some trades to get these picks uh they have they have three rookies now uh late first round a couple in the second round that i I think can play right away so i like that pick it's a really shrewd move from the nuggets getting strother on the team so that's my spiel about uh the late first round there very eloquent from you ethan and eric even very eloquent from you understanding this draft stuff i'm not gonna lie to you only person i ever paid attention to a little bit was chris murray because i was like he already got drafted in the nba playing in sacramento I was in the same place because they both <laughs> just look the same. So I'm excited to see what he can do for Lillard and the Blazers if they do choose to keep him. But you know what? I, I don't got I don't got nothing for this for this last half of the draft. So kudos, good luck to all of them. All right, random second round picks. Just kind of I'm gonna name vomit here as I scroll past these. Um, Jalen Wilson. Obviously, I'm a Kansas guy. Love watching Kansas. Uh, goes to the Nets. Not bad. Like, Nets need a scorer, and, like, they already have some kind of wing players, and, like, he's another kind of young wing player that they could package up and trade if they wanted 
even more picks going into the next few years. I thought that was a very smart move by them. I thought he he was he was solid. Amoni Bates, wow, what what a career he's had from going to being like the number one prospect at one point in like high school basketball to being drafted 49th by the Cleveland Cavaliers and finishing his career at Eastern Michigan. I'm interested to see if he does literally anything in the NBA. And then uh, I, I'm sure you'll touch on it, um, Ethan, but Trace Jackson Davis, I don't like, I don't understand how he fell that far. Like this was a guy that a, a year before last year was literally in the conversation for player of the year in the NCAA, like an extremely intelligent and good scorer. And a guy that I think if the Warriors are back in the playoffs again, can be a guy that comes off the bench and contributes and like that Jordan pool, like three point shooting role after role after the warriors obviously traded him away recently. I thought that was a really good pickup as well. Other than that, again, I, I don't know much about most of these guys in the second round, but those were just kind of some of the names that popped out to me. Yeah. Um, I'll give a couple of highlights really quickly. I liked Leonard Miller at 33 to the Timberwolves, uh, trading into the draft to pick him up. He was projected to go mid first round, uh, fell down a little bit. Guy of the Julia Knight program, um, athletic kid, a little bit of a project, but I like that swing for Minnesota. Um, uh, I'll, I'll do a little spiel on Trace Jackson Davis right now. Um, they needed kind of a, a rolling big man now that they have Chris Paul, um, a guy that, you know, athletic big guy that can roll the rim and throw down some dunks off the pick and roll. Um, I think he'll fit well there. Don't know how much he'll play. Steve Kerr tends to not play his rookies very much, but uh, as a guy who's already 23, spent a long time in college, I think he may have a better chance at, at coming into some playing time than some other guys. Um, so I do like the pick there for the Warriors. It sucks that they had to give up on Patrick Baldwin to get there because I liked him as a prospect as well, but it is what it is. Um, the other guy that I really liked in the second round is Keontae Johnson going to OKC. Um, one of my favorite prospects in this class, uh, he fell down a little bit. At one point was talked about as a first round pick, ended up going 50th overall to OKC. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but this was in 2020 when he was a guy that uh, had a medical issue and collapsed on the court when he was playing for Florida. Um, ended up recovering from that, was medically cleared to play, transfers to Kansas State, has a really good season last year um, on, on a good tournament team uh, for Kansas State and uh, ends up getting drafted here. So good story for him. Um, I think he can end up carving out a role for himself in the NBA. He's a good catch and shoot player, can make an impact there. Um, athletic, moves good laterally on defense. Um, he's big enough to make an impact there. So so I really like Keontae Johnson at OKC. And finally, on the draft here, uh... You guys can throw out however many teams as you want, but like, who do you see as big winners of this draft? Who are like some, what are like some overall drafts that you really, really liked? And let me just start by asking a question um, because obviously it was the third overall pick and some people considered him the second best prospect behind Wimbignano. What do we think of a trailblazers draft? Obviously they pick up Scoot Henderson, like, and how do you think Damian Lillard is is feeling? Because obviously Damian, like there were reports that he preferred to to trade that pick instead of drafting a young guy. But like, I don't know. I don't understand why why he'd have any problem. I feel like you know Scoot Henderson and Damian Lillard. That's a pretty amazing backcourt right off the 
jump and you don't have to ask Scoot to do that much because Damian Lillard's the main focal point of the offense. I do feel like if Dame sticks around, like, and they sign some veterans in free agency, like they can be a team that can easily make it back to the playoffs in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, playoffs, yes. Championship, no. And and I think that's what Lillard is, is concerned about right now. He's He's really pushing to try to win a title in Portland. I think ultimately what ends up happening is they go into free agency. They figure out that they're not going to be able to really do anything that that swings the odds too much. And I think Lillard's going to ask for a trade. I think ultimately they're going to end up getting rid of him. Um, But, you know, I like their draft class, uh, regardless of whether Lillard stays or goes. Uh, We talked about Chris Murray. We talked about Scoot Henderson. I think he's going to be able to play right away. Um, Another guy in the second round, Ryan Rupert. Uh, kind of raw prospect out of uh, I think he played in Australia last year but originally from France another guy I think can end up being pretty solid so I like their draft class but it's all going to come down to what happens with Dame yeah no doubt that's that's what it comes down to right um I like this team better as a young exciting team with Scoot Henderson and Chris Murray leading them to some something interesting and you know than a team that is going to be having expectations of a Damian Lillard and what he's going to want with them and um I think with this draft they should probably just just end up biting the bullet and trading Dame you know he's a great player wants to go win a championship so let him go and let let the young guys that you drafted that do have that type of talent be see what they can do by themselves you know all right so draft winners Aramis You're going to make me say it, huh? You're really going to make me sit up here and say it, man. You, Utah Jazz did a great job of drafting talent and players that they needed to help their roster out. I do like – I believe it's Keontae George. Is it Keontae George from Baylor that they drafted up? I, I really like him a lot. I'm a big fan of Baylor prospects, man, ever since Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler. But, yeah, I, mean, I think he did a great job. Taylor Hendricks is another dude that's going to be able to help them on the spots they need, so – Good congratulations, Eric. Your all your ranting and raving paid off some good talent. But Jeff, yeah, I mean, I got I got to agree with you. I got to go with the Jazz. Um, I I really like the three picks they made in the first round. I think Taylor Hendricks. I probably have a top five grade on him if I was doing a big board. I really really like him. I think he's a perfect player for the modern NBA. Don't know if he'll turn into a star, but I think he can be a really really good role player for a long time. And uh, at number nine overall, I think you've got to be happy with that. Um, outside of the Jazz, I mean, there was nobody else that had like a ton of picks. I, I've talked a lot about OKC, but I really like their draft class as well. Um, I think Houston's another team that really nailed it. Um, there, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of their young core, but uh, I think with some of these new guys, it's kind of starting to take shape a little bit, and we'll see who ends up popping and turning into something good. So I'll go with the Rockets as a draft winner as well. Cool. All right, we can kind of run through the rest of this here. Obviously, some big trades happen. Let's talk about a loser of the draft to transition. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, who now, uh, you know, the fun stat is they have uh, – no picks like at all for the next seven years. Like, so uh, I guess good luck with that. Like we'll see how that goes for you, but they trade for Bradley Beal. They now have a team that includes Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and an influx Deandre Ayton. Some people think he's going to get traded. Uh, 
but wow, I you know, they really did get a new owner and he was like, okay, I'm just going to trade for like a bunch of stars and see if we can win a title. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I, I'm not, I'm not super confident. I won't be picking them to do anything really outside of make the playoffs next year, confidently going into the season. I feel like they are still, I, I mean, they are a roster of literally seven players, like, and four are extremely good. One, well, three are extremely good. One is kind of middling. And then the other three are like, oh, okay, like do your best. But um, yeah, I mean, the Suns, like, is is this a way to build a championship team? Um, I mean, you, you said it, Ethan. I mean, the Nuggets played seven guys in their rotation to win the title. You know, can the Suns do that? I mean, I think the big thing for me, we're going to have to see what they do in free agency. Uh, it could be a destination where a lot of ring chasers end up um, taking down, you know, cheaper contracts to fill out their roster. They have a bunch of their own free agents that they can elect to bring back. There's a couple of guys that I'd like to see them choose to bring back, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to uh, lose the draft when you don't participate. I mean, they did have a second round pick, but uh, they're not going to have many rookies coming in there over the next little while. So um yeah i i think we'll wait for free agency to see i i don't think that they are a title caliber team right now uh would not consider them the favorite in the west but i think that they have definitely an opportunity to add some pretty decent talent to the roster and, and you know maybe they get lucky with some injuries and things break their way they're they're in the conversation but uh not a deep team by any stretch of the imagination so we're gonna have to see what that looks like come playoff time so Aiden cannot stay on this team and have them be successful, right? Like, there's no, there's no way they're going to – I don't know that all their cap is signed up in the three dudes uh, – four dudes if he stays on there. Um, their bench, like you said, is non-existent unless you want to call it some G-leaguers to come help out, fill out the roster and whatnot. Um, I don't – I don't – to be honest with you, uh, it feels like your best friend is about to do something you know is stupid and you see it a mile away. Like, we've seen this play out before for Kevin – Kevin Durant, man, and it did not end with the last time he just hopped up with a silver team. And I, man, I know I understand why you do it for Bradley Bill. They didn't have to give up much. They were already considering trading Chris Paul anyway, so I get that. But just the money that's going into this is kneecap and kneecap your franchise. So God bless them. You know, they're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be a whole lot of mid-range jump shots. Hopefully, a lot less injuries than there historically has been with some of their top players, and we're gonna we're gonna pray that the Suns are okay. That's all I got, man. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, the Warriors also made a move. I guess where you at, Ethan? Like you, like honestly, at first I was I, I'm kind of a CP3 guy, like. At first, I was like, oh, okay, like, that's that's interesting. But, like, I don't know if he really fits in on this team where Steph Curry already exists and is, like, what Chris Paul is, but, like, a million times better, um, even at his age. And, it, you know, Jordan Poole, for as bad as he was in the playoffs, was a really, really good NBA player. And, like, he's on the Wizards now, and the Wizards are kind of rebuilding, and, and that's fine. 
but where where are you at with the Warriors? Like, obviously, I, I think this really screams to me like Draymond has to come back now. Like, they got rid of Jordan Poole. Like, okay, like Draymond, come back. Like, let's do it with Clay, Steph, and Draymond. Like, one more time, try this year to win a title. And then, you know, Draymond, you can go chase your money elsewhere next year. And, you know, Steph and Clay will just take the Warriors to the playoffs every year and lose in, like, the second or third round. And uh, and then they'll retire and the Warriors are really rebuilt. So, uh, that that's kind of where I feel like they are at as a franchise right now. Obviously, as you've said a million times, you can't really complain because they created the dynasty that won four rings, and that's more than 90% of NBA fans can say they've ever seen in their entire lifetime. But yeah, it does feel like they're kind of like this is this is it for us, and we're we're ready to kind of take our or step into being a team that's a playoff team, but not not really a title contender anymore. Yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours about this. I'll try to keep this short, but that that trade is so interesting to me. Um, my my knee jerk reaction to it, I hated it when I first saw that the news break. I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And I always try to be optimistic and you know talk myself into it, see look on the bright side. And I can understand why they made this move now. Um, I We're going to have to see what they do the rest of the summer. You know, the roster is far from complete. They're going to have like five or six open roster spots. Uh, we'll see what they do in free agency. I think the biggest reason they make this trade is unfortunately for money. Uh, because of the new CBA, it's very hard to pay that many players. Jordan Poole had just signed a four-year extension. Chris Paul is on an expiring contract, uh, kind of. He's got a non-guaranteed year after next season. So it allows them a lot more optionality with Chris Paul's contract than they had with Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, at this point in time, was a bad asset. Um, A big contract coming off the worst year of his, I mean, probably not the worst year of his career, his rookie season, he was horrible, but a a down year for him um, after he was great in the title run, but a, a very down year for him last season, bad in the playoffs, um, regressed on defense, uh, turned into a turnover machine on offense, really bad year from Jordan Poole. The highs with him were very high. Um, we saw him have a great run in the 2022 playoffs. He's a key reason why they won the title. Um, and then the lows with him were also very low, like I mentioned. So it makes sense wanting to trade him. They're going all in on this core. All the reports suggesting that Draymond Green is going to be back on a three-year contract that lines him up with Steph Curry. So they're both going to become free agents three years from now at the same time. Um, Clay Thompson's got one year left on his deal. You presume that this trade makes it easier to re-sign him um, getting off of Jordan Poole's money. And you're not going to have to worry about Chris Paul long-term because regardless, he's 38 years old. He's probably only got a year or two left in the tank anyway. So um, in terms of the on-court fit for next year, it's going to be very interesting. Chris Paul does not play warrior style of basketball. He is a, a slow pick and roll, you know, dribble the air out of the ball point guard. He's probably the best backup point guard in the league now, presuming he comes off the bench and allows him to play in a couple of different ways. Chris Paul has been around long enough. He's a good player. He can probably adapt his play style to sort of fit the warriors motion offense a little bit better. We're going to have to see how they work all that out on the court. Would not be shocked to see him traded again at the deadline or next off season. Um, but in terms of what the team's going to look like on the court next year, we'll see what they do in free agency. I think at this point, 
The Warriors are assuming that Chris Paul is a better player than Jordan Poole. Who knows if that's true or not. I really love Jordan. I wish him the best in Washington. I think he's going to make a couple all-star teams there. He's going to score a ton of points. Hopefully he bounces back from the down year that he had. Obviously the punch was a big factor in that. Him and Draymond, I think the team just decided that they couldn't have both of them on the roster. The locker room was too fractured. We saw it last year. They were disconnected team. They weren't playing together on either side of the ball. That's the biggest reason why they lost in the playoffs. It was basically the same roster that they won the title with. So all this to say, I'm skeptical on the trade. I understand why they made it. I'm excited to see what they do in free agency. I still think this team has one more title run left in them. Um, but who knows? Who knows? All right. With that, I feel like uh, we, we we can begin to wrap up. Obviously, one big trade. Porzingis, Smart, Tyus Jones, Steel. Tyus Jones ends up on the Warriors. Marcus Smart ends up on the Grizzlies. And Chris Stops ends up on the Celtics. I'll just say very quickly, and then Aramis, I'll let you give your thoughts here. I think the winner of the deal is Boston. Like, I just, I've always been a huge Chris Stops Porzingis fan. I think he does what they need well. I think he, he can be a good defender. He gives them another good three-point shooter. And I think, honestly, he's a better player in his role than Marcus Smart was in his. Uh, I thought Marcus Smart really kind of like wasn't as good last year as he was the year before. And I feel like the Celtics obviously are in this like, okay, they're going to go. They're going to make sure that Jalen Brown is happy this off season. Like they're going to go with this core one more time, but I do feel like this year it's kind of title or bust for the Celtics. And if, if it doesn't work out, then Jalen Brown might say, all right, I don't, I don't really like playing in Boston. Like it's, it's time to go somewhere else, but that's kind of how I feel about this. I thought it was a decent trade for the Celtics. And once again, as a closet Celtics fan, I'm, I'm excited to see the team going into next year. So I'm glad we got so much diversity on this podcast. Cause I, I think for what the, for the ceiling of both teams, I would agree with the opposite. I think the Grizzlies actually, if Marcus Smart does what he's supposed to, can, I don't know, can provide an adult other than Steven Adams and other than coaches in the room for that young Memphis team and teach them how to be a successful playoff team, I think that might bode more more well for Boston, for um the Grizzlies than Boston. Um, Boston Celtics, like, Chris Porzingis fits what they need perfectly. He's a big body. He can shoot, help space out the floor, do all that wonderful stuff. Um. I still have a really bad taste in my mouth from this past season. Man. I know they they have a lot of amazing talents. Marcus Smart was probably the best trade piece that they had outside of a Jalen Brown, but they want to keep him to keep building up what they've had. A lot of the a lot of the reason with this trade was an idea that um, Marcus Smart has been like a vocal leader or a leader of a team, and they want a Tatum or a Jalen Brown or probably more so Jason Tatum to step up and be the leader of that Celtics squad and. I don't know, man. I I think I've seen enough of this squad. I love them. They're a great team. They needed Ime Udoka to get them right and get them right men- mentally last year to make that finals run. I I don't know, man. I shout out shout out to all parties involved. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going with Memphis and them being better off in this trade. Porzingis gets hurt a little too much for my taste, I guess. But eh, I don't know. That's all my thoughts on that one, man. Sorry for rambling on, but that's it. Yeah. Um, 
I think that the Grizzlies swooping in here is very interesting. I think Marcus Smart's going to fit great there. You guys know this. I've been talking about their need for a veteran leader for a long time. And uh, he's that guy for them. You know, Marcus Smart's a culture setter. He's going to step into that locker room and teach that team how to win games. Win games. Um, I think that's a really, really good fit for them. Um, Porzingis on Boston, I think it makes sense. Uh, it kind of raises their ceiling a little bit for me. I think the, the thing had kind of run its scores with Marcus Smart. Um, like you mentioned, Aramis, you know, there's injury concerns with him, obviously. Um, so we'll have to see there, but, uh, I, I understand why Boston made this move as well. Um, and then the wizards blowing it up is no surprise to anybody. So, um, a deal that I think makes sense for all three sides. We're going to have to see how it looks on the court, but I, I really like this for Memphis out of the three teams. All right. Let's, let's take a look at just some of the free agents coming up. Obviously the class is headlined by Kyrie and James Harden. Those are the two biggest names. Obviously Draymond kind of a close third. We're all kind of a, a, in agreement, but Draymond heads back to the Warriors, but just some general uh, free agency thoughts here from both of you. Let me just jump in. You know, Ethan and I, obviously both Utah guys, I love Kyle Kuzma probably more than anyone on this earth. Like just what probably my favorite you from that era uh, was Kyle Kuzma. Still remember watching him play live. Thought he had a career season this year was very, very good in Washington. I just hope that he gets the bag, but I also hope he picks a team that can give him the bag and still compete for the playoffs because I think the playoffs are a more fun place when Kyle Kuzma's in him, in them. And here's what I think should happen. And tell me if I'm crazy here. The Dallas Mavericks, they do not need Kyrie. That did not work. Let Luka be your point guard. Go out, spend less money. Give Kyle Kuzma what he wants. Kyle Kuzma is an excellent defender. If you add Kyle Kuzma to that roster and a few other low-level guys, like mid-level option type guys, I think the Dallas Mavericks can turn that roster from a fringe playoff team to a team that's competing for the Western Conference. Again, if they just get guys that play hard and play good, and I'd just love to see Kyle Kuzma play with Luka Doncic and play on a team like Dallas, and I think they should do that instead of pouring a max contract into Kyrie Irving, knowing that Kyrie Irving by the trade deadline might be like, okay, I don't want to play here anymore. Like I like just do that. Don't ruin this Dallas. Like, please just like give, you know, give Luca a real chance. Like don't, don't bet on Kyrie Irving, bet on Kyle Kuzma. Like that's, that's, that's my biggest thought on free agency. I'll be a huge fan of wherever Kuzma goes Again, I hope he chooses a team that can realistically make the playoffs and he doesn't just chase the bag. But I also understand this is his best chance of his career to make his big money. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about free agency. I'm most excited to see where Kyle Kuzma ends up. How are uh, you feeling about free agency, Ethan, and about everything I just word vomited there? Yeah. Um, for Kuzma, I mean, I actually like the Dallas fit a lot. I think that's a pretty, a decent fit there. I, they'd have to probably move some money around, maybe make that a sign and trade or something. Uh, yeah. If Kyrie doesn't come back, it definitely becomes an option for them. Uh, if, if it is Kuzma instead of Kyrie, I think they'd probably make another move as well. 
Uh, we'll have to see there. Uh, I'll throw out a couple of other teams for Kuzma. Um, the hometown Utah Jazz, man, coming back to Utah. Um, I know they just drafted Taylor Hendricks, but they do have a needed power forward. Um, they're going to have some cap space in order to work with. And uh, I think Kyle Kuzma could definitely fit what the Jazz are building. So I wouldn't rule that out at all. Um, and another team, the Sacramento Kings. Um, they cleared some cap space on draft night. Um, they also have a need at forward, especially if they let Harrison Barnes walk. Um, they're going to be looking for another guy to step in and join a team on the rise. So I would not be shocked at all to see the Kings make a big swing for Kyle Kuzma. And I think that would definitely make some sense for for both parties there. So that's what I'm looking at for him. Um, and then I, other than that, we may have a pretty boring free agency class. I think we're, we're getting to the point, the guys that I wrote down here, Chris Middleton looks like he's going back to Milwaukee. Kyrie, I mean, we can talk about it, but my money's on him returning to Dallas. Draymond's going to probably go back to the Warriors. Uh, James Harden looked like maybe he was going to Houston, but we've heard some more stuff about him just returning to 70 to the 76ers recently. So we'll see with him, but all of the top guys could just end up going back to their teams. Um, Fred Van Vliet's going to be out there. Um, Brooke Lopez is going to be out there. But uh, other than that, it could be a relatively quiet free agency period. I think we're going to see some big trades of guys that are under contract. But in terms of the guys who are free agents this summer, um, it, it could end up just being a ton of guys re-signing. We'll see. Where did you say uh, you thought Kuzma might end up again? Sorry, I zoned out there for a second. Uh, the Jazz or the Kings were my two favorite destinations for him. Yeah. Would be cool you to have him on the would be cool to have him on the Jazz. That'd be that'd be that'd be kind of cool. I do think he's more likely to sign with the Kings, though. That feels like a, a more likely move. Um, mm. So you you kind of teased it there, and I feel like Aramis kind of feels the same way with free agents, right? Like you're you're not expecting a ton of movement, really. No, not really. Dallas made their bed with Kyrie. They're gonna stay in. I thought you were gonna spit out some completely batshit crazy thing for Kuzma to go sign him to the Jazz hundred million finals, baby. That's it. I thought that's where you were going. I like your your Dallas trade, man. I think that makes more sense. Um, you know, Kyrie's just a little Kyrie-ish, you know, and that's that's usually not a good thing. But the my most like anticipated free agency for is um not even on his list. I think I believe Bruce Brown is a free agent this year. And after the parade, after a drunk coach, after a drunk coach from Denver said, um, bringing Bruce back, um, he tweeted out a picture of the location being Boston and some eye emojis, you know. So I, he's a free agent. He didn't choose to resign, I think, with them or opt into his player options. So I'd, I'd keep an eye out for where he goes because I think he's going to be an impact player wherever. But that's really all I got man, for a free agent this year. Ethan, you said some big players under contract you thought might be traded. Can you give us two or three names? Um, Damian Lillard's one I mentioned earlier. I think he's going to end up getting traded. Uh, Blazers are going to look around in free agency, not find anything, and decide to trade Lillard. Um, the other one, Carl uh, Anthony Towns for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They just made some news today re-signing Nas Reed uh, to a three-year extension. That's pretty big for them. Uh, nice young center, undrafted out of LSU. Uh, played, I think, three years in the NBA now. Um, had a really good season this past year. Him and Gobert fit better together. Um, I just think that they're going to look at moving towns because they're going to restructure this to building around Anthony Edwards. Um, towns is going to be kind of the odd man out there at the center position. They they cannot invest this much money into, into the three big men. It just isn't going to work. They can't trade Gobert now. His value is too low. Um, so Towns is going to be the guy on the move, I think. Anyone else surprising? It, it, it sounded like the, the way you phrased that, I just felt like 
you had a few more maybe like guys yeah. like that that maybe they're not on the radar yet but who 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 else i mean i could throw out a couple i think Jarrett allen of the cavaliers maybe i wouldn't bet on him being traded but i think it's a possibility just with cleveland kind of restructuring their roster now maybe moving for a wing um they have evan mobley as their probably his true position should be center instead of power forward so they might move a little bit more in that direction um if the knicks decide to make a trade you could throw julius randall in there i don't know if you consider him a star but he could potentially be a guy on the move um the bulls and the raptors could be two teams that blow it up there down at the bottom of the eastern conference um chicago they've kind of been running into a wall the past couple of years same with toronto there um, we got some reports about Pascal Siakam maybe wanting to stay with the Raptors. We'll see how true those are, but you could see Siakam on the move. You could see Zach Levine maybe out there. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is another free agent. He could potentially leave. Um, Fred Van Vliet's probably going to be gone from the Raptors. OG Ananobi is a guy that all the contenders are going to want to get their hands on. Um, we've heard some rumors about Paul George from the Clippers, uh, just throwing him out there as well as, as another potential trade guy. Um, Zion, I, I doubt they'll trade him, but his name's been out there. Um, yeah, that's what I got for you. All right, Aramis, any, anything that, uh, any, anyone that didn't get mentioned that you're interested in before we get out of here, here, I think we covered pretty much everything. Yeah, we got everyone. I just want to hear you. Uh, if Ethan wasn't going to say his big horny name, I was going to bring it up. Um, I want to hear why Zion coming to Utah will save his career, Eric, because I know you valiantly believe that in your heart. You think that Utah is the perfect place for him. So I would like to hear a little soliloquy about that. Please inform the people why Zion moving here will save save the NBA and his career. Uh, feel like it's much easier to be on a diet until – Although, hmm, imagine Zion Williamson if he had swig within his reach. Like, that, would, that would be a real, real problem. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I don't think that would be a good fit. I, I was going to be like, it's pretty easy to be on a diet in Salt Lake City, Utah, because we don't, you know, obviously New Orleans food is like just fried by default, but like, we we just we consume sugar like it's like it's water here and uh so yeah no i i don't think that'd be a good fit for zion williamson would i be excited sure but like uh less only fans bottles maybe i don't know like it's a different uh, it's a different kind of vice that will be kind of taken care of around here but you know what we're not that kind of podcast so we'll just leave that over there yeah i i don't think we are that type of podcast but yeah i don't i don't think those vices are exist as much in Salt Lake City, Utah, as they do in uh, in New Orleans. All right, guys. Thanks for hopping on. I know this went a little long. Uh, I'll see you guys back here. Uh, let me pull up uh, the calendar just really, really quickly as as we jump to uh, to July. Yeah, let's just let's just get together like July 9th. Uh, I think uh, everything will be kind of settled by then. And then, uh, obviously, we'll we'll part ways podcast wise until uh, until um, you know, we're back in October and the NBA is back. But uh, gonna be kind of a dead week. I'm sure there will get a lot of rumors this week, and then all the action will kind of, excuse me, kick off next weekend. 
and on Monday and Tuesday. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back for Sunday after that to talk, uh, the rest of the off season and just talk about some winners and losers and, and how we think rosters look going into next year with that. I'll let you both go a uh, little end zone podcast feed housekeeping expect at least one football podcast this week hoping to get that up on wednesday or thursday and then uh july 4th week we will be starting division previews so with all that said thank you both so much for joining me we will see you all next time until then peace out